Alrighty, uh, good morning one more time. It's great to be with you again this morning. And to those of you who are online, I haven't done that in a while to say good morning to people who are watching online, people who are at home and not quite feeling up to snuff to come here and be with us this morning. So good morning to you as well and to others who check in from time to time, family and friends from apparently across our wonderful land. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, if you have a Bible with you, and I would encourage you to have one open, either a printed version, a phone or a tablet. Uh, we're going to be in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17 today. Uh, so yeah, open your Bibles and listen, we're going to continue in our series, Christ, Our Living Hope in First Peter. We are in the eighth week. And I, just, I have to be honest with you, I thought, you know, First Peter might last five weeks. There's five chapters and we're now in the eighth week and it's just because every week I'm like, no, no, hold on. We, we, need, to, we need to just take this chunk. Because it's wonderful. It's an incredible letter. And so we're going to look at that. Uh, we, so far, where we've gotten to has been a lot of foundational stuff, right? Peter has been laying the groundwork for um, orthodoxy, the foundations of the Christian faith, who God is, what he has done, who then that teaches us we were before Christ, and who we now then are, and then the living out of that, or the orthopraxy, the living of it out. And so we need to have those foundations in place, and he's done that. And now this week and a few weeks as we go forward, very, very practical stuff. Very practical. <laughs> so I'm going to read our text for today and definitely going to pray one more time. So read with me, beginning in verse 13. Peter, writing to the churches in Asia Minor, almost 2,000 years ago. Be subject for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you once again for this morning. Yeah, um, we are so grateful that uh, we have these words recorded. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for inspiring Peter. Uh, to record the, this letter and to write this letter and to send it to the churches in Asia Minor who were suffering trials and persecutions that would only get worse. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for this instruction. We thank you that we have it. And we thank you that we, we can learn significant principles for our own day. Significant. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to see that. You would help me communicate that in the way that you would see fit. I pray for your blessings now over us in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So, I said to myself this morning as I was coming down, I, I said, you know, okay, so Glenn, um, let's, just, let's just preach this calmly and in a relaxed way <laughs> because in one way or another, we're, we're talking about politics, no? Okay. 
So really, I, I want us to, uh, I really want us to commonly think about this. And so you'll remember last week that I kind of, not kind of, I did conclude with a challenge and an encouragement that more than anything that you and I really, really, really focus on this fact that's true and yeah, we give an assent to it, we tick the box, yeah, we believe it, but do we really understand this is not your home? This is not our home. It's not our home. Based on that, the encouragement was then, okay, let's, let's live as someone who believes that Jesus has purchased us, yes, by his own blood. Let's start there and understand that and believe that, that your heavenly father is the one who has caused you and I to be born again. So it's all a work of him, nothing that we have done. It's all him, that you are a, listen, new creation in Christ. The old Glenn has passed away. The old you has passed away. You have been given a brand new identity in Christ. That this world is truly not your home then. You live and exist in the kingdom of God now, like now, and one day forever. Amen? So that's great. But listen, also, we need to understand we no longer live in the kingdom of this world. It is there. It is out there. It really is. (laughs) And I think that's sometimes why we experience such anxiety and fear, quite frankly. So some of you will know that I've said this before, and it's true because we've been through it in the Scripture. There are only two kingdoms in this world. I know there's the Saudi kingdom, there's this and there's that, there's nations. There are only two real, literal kingdoms in this world. The kingdom of darkness, and you know who the leader and father of that is, and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. And on top of that, there is no middle kingdom. Oh, we want there to be. (laughs) Oftentimes, we want there to be. And so just like the people, uh, pardon me, Peter is writing to in the churches of Asia Minor, we, we too are experiencing trials and persecutions. We are. If you're living obediently, if I'm living obediently under the word of God and under his desire for us as Christians, as the body of Christ, we are going to experience trials and persecutions, and not just of the health variety, not just of that, although that's true too. And it's because, as we saw earlier in Peter's letter, it's because of our obedience to God's word. Not because we're snarky people on social media. That too. But no, because we're obedient to God's word. That's why we experience those things, or at least we should. So even when, listen, even when you and I do our best to stay out of trouble. Anybody here, do you do, you do your best to stay out of trouble? Well, I do, but some of you know, I, sometimes I just put my foot in I get in it. We get into trouble, right? We do our best to be good and loving neighbors, men and women who truly, listen, do love God, truly do love our brothers and sisters Christ, truly do love our neighbors as ourselves, despite that. And again, just like the people in Peter's day, our faith, what we believe in God's will and best for ourselves, first of all, is at odds with the world. It's at odds with it. Have you noticed that? (laughs) It is. I'm not being facetious, really. It is at odds with our world and with our culture. And for that, we are considered, listen, because of that, that is why we are actually considered by a lot of people 
in our community and in the world, bad neighbors, bad citizens. Therefore, it's no wonder that Peter, last week we saw that he, 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 he called them, and, and we can also see ourselves not just as elect exiles, but as sojourners. You ever traveled to Europe? Many of you have. You travel places, and you know what it's like, right? You go, I've always wanted to go to Italy. I've never been to Italy. I joke with people I don't believe in, in um, reincarnation, but if I did, I was an Italian in a previous life. I love Italians. Well, mostly their food. But I want to go there. But you know, if you travel to Rome, right, or you travel to Italy, you get there and you realize you're a sojourner. You're just passing through. And so the way they do things, the way they live, and the way they're just like, okay, well, again, this is not my home. I, I'm going to get to go back to Squamish. And, and, and so when in Rome, do what? As they do in Rome or whatever. But then, Christian, again, what Peter's getting at is, is that even in our own backyard, somehow we, we can feel like from time to time, we're just travelers passing through. On one level, I want you to think about that today. That's not a bad concept, but on another, it's not good, <laughs> especially when it comes to our Christian witness. And so again, it's not our true home. This isn't it. The kingdom of God is our true home. And so what I hope you will see today is that sometimes what will happen, though, even as Christians, is we can fall into this trap. We can fall into the trap of thinking as we look around at this world that all it needs is a little tidying up. It just needs a little bit more Christian way of doing things in the world. And specifically at the political level. C.S. Lewis once said, it'll be on screen, I love these words, he said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. See, there's this tension. It's a true tension. It's a real tension. The, the real tension is, do, do, you, do we want God's will and, what, and God's best for everyone out there in this world? Yeah, of course we do. First and foremost, of course, we need to be experiencing it fully and, and living it out fully in order for us to be a reflection of that. But of course we do. But at the end of the day, there can come a point where we can get frustrated. And that frustration could lead to the wrong thing, which would be anger. Not a love for the world, the lost, that we should have. So this then, as a preface, I think, I hope, leads us to the first point that Peter wants to teach for us here this morning. Uh, we might think as a result of the way we are continually being canceled or silenced for fear of being canceled and persecuted, that the best thing for us to do would actually be silent, would actually be to hunker down in our, in our churches and our homes and in our Christian-y things and just stay out of trouble. <laughs> That's not what Peter has in mind. And so your sermon title for today is, two words, be subject. Hope you to, we will see three things today. One, think this way about all these things. Two, live this way. And lastly, be this way. Be part of our identity. So number one, think this way. Verses 13 and 14 will be on screen. Peter wrote and he said, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So 
as we begin to look at this, besides the preface I just gave, I think it's important uh, for, in order for us to be able to think this way, think the way Peter, think the way the Holy Spirit wants us to think about these things, uh, we need to face some false assumptions, some potentially wrong thinking that we all have. Maybe it's just me. Again, you've heard about my closet full of t-shirts, but I think we all have some false assumptions that we can bring into this or false thinking. The first word that appears to us that I think comes to us and, and kind of hits us right up front is subject, right? It's not like subject of a sentence. It's like, no, subject. So in the scripture, that word is often translated, and it, it's an equally good translation, submit. There you go. There you go. Or submission. So Peter is writing to the people in Asia Minor. The Holy Spirit is talking to you and I here today and saying, be submissive. Okay. Now, also in Scripture, you're going to find that that word, that word, those words, submit, submission, subject, are almost always related to another favorite word that you have and that I have, and that word is authority. <laughs> None of you are smiling right now. I don't know what's going on here. Right? Authority. So, let me ask you this. Show of hands, maybe? How many of you, before, of course, you came to Christ and faith in Jesus Christ, how many of you had a problem with authority? Well, that's pretty good. I was going to say, I have time. I can wait. I was thinking of playing the Jeopardy music, you know, do, do, do. Right? Yeah, of course you have. Now, since, let me ask you, put it this way. Now, since, of course, coming to faith in Christ you know, and being born again and becoming a new creation and actually living it out. You, you, you are, you just like me, every week you are completely amazed. You go home to your, your wife or your parents or whoever you go, you know what, I can't believe it. Today I had such a great attitude towards this authority figure. Anybody? What? Yes, of course. I understand. But here's the thing. Okay, you, you know this, none of us are born innocent. Those little, those little lovely bundles you have, they're, they're, they're sweet and everything, but you have them for seven days and you know they're not innocent for whatever reason. And we struggle with authority because of sin from the day we are born. But we're introduced to it all the time, right? It starts, of course, in our homes where we are you know, put in a position where we are under the authority of our parents, or at least we're supposed to be. And then from there, it becomes those who are teachers in, in the community, whether it's grade school, a preschool, grade school, high school, university, etc. We're supposed to be under their authority. We're being subjected to it, right? And then from there, of course, we start learning about, well, wait a second, there's the governing authorities, there's the government, and then, of course, there's the law, there's the man, right? the police, and we are under their authority, so we, we, we learn about this. We're, we're, we're being put in positions where we are to be subject and submit ourselves to authority all of our lives. And it, it becomes a problem for us. We rebel against it, push up against it all the time. And then, of course, there are, I cannot fail to mention, those authorities over us in the local church. Okay self-serving, but it's true. 
All right. For the sake of time, let me put it this way. Can we all just confess that we all have had and maybe still have a problem with authority? Can we? Okay. I love you guys. You're putting your hands up. It's amazing. Um, so look, that's exactly what Peter is getting at here, isn't it? Why in the world would he be writing this letter to these people in Asia Minor and start off saying to the let- in the letter, by the way, you know, not that I think you have a problem with this, but be subject. It's been a problem since the garden. This problem we have with authority and submitting ourselves to the authority of God, of course, first and foremost, but to any authority that God has put over us. And as we see from our text, for our good, at least supposed to be. And so he's obviously writing to them because they are struggling with this. They already have been struggling. Listen, in their lives in that day, they're struggling with two things. One, most of them are Gentiles. The commentators, historians believe probably 60 to, percent of the, 60 to 70% of the church in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, were Gentile pagans who had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Only a small percentage were Jewish who had come to faith in Christ. And so most of them had come out of the culture had come out of the passions of the flesh of that culture. And so that is, that's something that is really a challenge to them. Um, and, and, of course, the, the culture is also very occult in its beliefs, so in religions and gods and all these things. But mostly, they're also under a despot of a leader. And his name is Nero. One of the most vicious despots in history, I mean, modern day in You know, the 1900s, we know of a man by the name of Hitler. This guy qualifies. In those days, the the worst thing that would happen to Christians under Nero was that people who um, complained about Christians, who who thought, you know, these are, these goody two-shoes are, you know, they're going around uh, living these, you know, monogamous marriage relationships and doing this and doing that, and they're making us feel kind of uncomfortable. And on that basis... Nero and his governors would find ways to punish them, take things away from them mostly. However, in six to seven years, Nero would start killing these Christians. And of course, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter knew that. And so they needed Pastor Peter to show up here, didn't they? And that's why he wrote to them, because he was really concerned about them. So listen, again, before we get to go on any further, uh, from my experience, here's what happens. I, I sat out where you are, okay, for like 25, 30 years, okay? And I would hear sermons like this, and I'm thinking this has probably happened to some of you in your minds right now, and you need to repent, okay? I'm not trying to point at any individual. But here's what I would do. I'd be going, yeah, preacher, yeah, but, right? I'd start filtering some of my yeah, buts. Yeah, okay, that's fine. You're going to tell me that I need to be subject to, yeah, but what about this situation or that circumstance? Surely, yeah, but you're not suggesting I, I, I submit myself, subject myself to our current prime minister. You're not, are you? Yeah, buts are really, really a challenge for, listen, Christians, anyone for that matter, but Christians to hear God's will. Big, huge challenge. Now, I'm going to give you a caveat on top of all that, and that is this. There is one yeah, but that's legit. 
And as far as I can tell, only one. Okay? You can go ahead and search the scripture and correct me if I'm wrong, but it is this, yeah, but. Remember Peter and John went and, and the rulers in that day brought them before them and said, listen, here's, you stop preaching in that name. Remember that? You do not tell people about Jesus and specifically his resurrection. In other words, you stop sharing the gospel. What did Peter and John respond? Yeah, but <laughs> not going to happen. That's the only yeah, but we have that I can find in Scripture is when governing authorities tell us to contravene the Word of God. Tell us to contravene the Word of God. Let's stay there and stay focused on that, first and foremost. So Peter's encouraging them, I believe, first of all, to, to think this way, for starters, right? Uh, to think this way um, and to think not Peter's way, but God's way, the Holy Spirit's way. And so Peter teaches us here that there is a way of thinking that we need to adopt the way that we need to think about government and how we as Christians interact. So th this is a message to the Christians, to the church. It would be wise for non-Christians and those outside the church to understand this, but it's for you and me. It's for you and I here today. So first on thinking this way, we need to know who... <laughs> Ultimately, we are to subject ourselves to and ultimately whom we are serving, right? I love this because Peter makes it pretty clear. Be subject for what? Because why? The Lord's sake. So every time that we run up against a circumstance where we, we want to buck up against authority and we want to say no to authority, <sighs> okay, Jesus, I'm doing this for your sake. So, so once again, this mindset that we're to have is one that is possessed by someone who truly knows which kingdom they are citizens of and who, therefore, their king truly is. They know that. They're comfortable with that. They live in it, and they're like, okay. Jesus, this is what I'm being told to submit myself to currently in this world and in this culture. What do you want me to do? Subject yourself. We'll get to a little bit more as to why he feels that way soon. And so Peter's encouraging them as sober-minded members of the kingdom of God to see their current circumstances in light of who they are, whose they are, right? And where their hope is ultimately found. So first, think this way for the Lord's sake. We should be subject to all governing authorities and civil authorities as part of our obligation to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is the one who has appointed these rulers over us. We'll see more about that in a second. And it is he who will hold them, listen, ultimately responsible. It's he who will do that, including you and I, but especially those who rule over us, whether for the good or for the bad. Now, you'll also know that Paul wrote about this in Romans 13. Every pastor I know was pulling this out during the pandemic, <laughs> right? Because, you know, because we're being told and mandated to do things, right? And every pastor's going, guys, like people over here, no, right? People over here, absolutely. And pastor, you need to tell those people they're, they're wrong. And by the way, those people are saying, you need to tell those people. Okay, Romans 13. 
Let me just read it for you. It'll be on screen, actually. Paul wrote this and said, let every person, excuse me, who? Every person, and he's speaking to the church, to Christians, be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. I don't know. I find it really clear. Therefore, whoever ex- resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Okay, I don't want that. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Or at least they should be. Would you have no fear for the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. The scripture is consistent on these things. There's, there's a lesson here. It's hard for us to hear this. Quite frankly, it's hard for us to understand it. I get it. I have rebelled against this most of my life. Many of you will know from my past business career and life that I, I, I consulted politicians and political parties. I was drawn to it like a white on rice. I loved it. I really did. I still follow it intensely. But I'm a little less intense in certain ways that I respond to it. Thank you, Jesus. That I hope we will see today is important. So secondly then, again back to our verses 13 and 14 here, this speaks to an important point, which we'll come to more in a second. But secondly, see the words this. See these words. It's really important. To every human institution. This is not a yeah, but... But it's a clarification, okay? It's a clarification. And so the point I'll make here first is that people is te- what P- Peter is teaching here is, listen, descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive for all time. That's important. However, the principles that are taught here and in Romans 13 apply across the generations and history. And so what do we really mean by all that? Well, that said, the principles, as I said, do certainly apply. Now, secondly, again, all forms of government in that day and to this day are, we learn here, and we see that in other parts of Scripture, in the New Testament, are of human origin. That's important. So the institutions, the governmental modes and methods are human inventions. That's important. They are not, this will rattle some of you, I know, but they're not divinely instituted. Like, for example, marriage is. The covenantal marriage relationship. They are all human in concept and reality. So yes, even even our British parliamentary social democratic system is a human construct. It's a human institution and of course, the republic system of the democracy in the United States also is a human institution. There are throughout history and to this day many other human institutions like totalitarianism and dictatorships and worse. But these words here invite us to understand no system of government, listen, is God-ordained per se or per se biblical. This, of course, I know, <laughs> flies in the face of not only our brothers and sisters to the south, but to a lot of Canadians who assert that their country is a Christian country, or at least it was. 
Well, why? Well, because God is in our constitution. <laughs> and, and yeah, and God wants us to have a, 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 a theocracy here. Now, that's what he wants. Really. Well, let me add this other caveat as we move on. This is a bit of the difference between that day and today. There's a difference in the forms of institutions. But I also want you to maybe also hear this. Is our democratic system possibly the best so far? I think it is. I think we, 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 can, we can agree with that, that it, you know, it, it's better than some of the other forms that are currently out there in our world or have come before this. But the important point for us to remember is, is we came up with this. This was our idea, how we wanted to rule ourselves. Remember in the Old Testament? Give us a king. <laughs> Give us a king. Why? Well, we don't really want you. We want, we want our own king. We want our own institution. We want our own way. So how are we to think then as we look at this? Well, first, we are to think as men and women who are living our lives for Christ's sake. Period. That's the first thing that we should think. He gave us life for, he gave, pardon me, his life for our sake. So, come on. (laughs) What's the very least that we can do for him? Well, we can give all of our lives and faithfully give it to him for his sake and return first of all. That's the first thing that we can do. Then we live our lives as people who now think rightly about these human institutions that God has, listen, allowed and for good reasons. And Peter says, regardless of whether it is Justin Trudeau, the leader of the Liberal Party of Canada, all the way down to our local mayors and councils, members, council members, we are to think this way about them. They are sent by him. There's an interesting little twist to it. Actually, the, the, the Greek, the, the, the proper way of sent through him. And so it, despite the fact that we have, as humans, instituted these forms of governing ourselves, God is at work in it, in the people who are in authority over us in these institutions. That, that is a difference that I believe the scripture is showing us here today. And so they are to also, they're given a mission. They're given a mandate by God. It's a specific and a very simple mandate. If you think about it, I used to think it was all about, you know, like, look it. Would you fix the potholes on the highways? Okay. Or at least in the back alley here, would you delete government? Government is good for that, right? And, and oh, education and hospitals, awesome, right? Healthcare, things like that. God's word says that God is appointing those men and women as part of those institutions to what? Punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. That, in fact, is the true mandate that God has given to these men and women who are over us from his perspective. And the question is, do they live up to that all the time? No, obviously not. Why? They are human. (laughs) You and I would likely fail too. We do. In positions of authority, we do. However, sometimes do they do good? Come on. I don't care what political stripe you are. Yes. Sometimes they do real good things. So let's not forget that. So from this perspective and understanding, may I suggest that we might think this way. This way to start is what the Holy Spirit wants us to 
to know before we can go any further on this subject. Think this way. Governments are intended to serve a purpose. A limited purpose, I might add, to ensure that, listen, the common grace of God flows to all. God wants government to do good. God wants government to serve all for good and punish evil. Number two, live this way then, okay? Verses 15 and 16 say this, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So this would be, as we've already touched on it, but I think a very good point for us to detail the differences between their context and ours today. Um, as I've already mentioned, the people of Asia Minor in that day and the churches were um, underneath the rule of one of history's most notorious despots, whose name was Nero. He and his local magistrates were uh, a far cry, uh, frankly, even from some of what we would consider the worst. Let's just pick on the U.S. again, okay? It's fair game, right? The worst Republicans and the worst Democrats. They, 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 not even, they don't even compare, really, to what this man was like. And so even more, Peter's words to them were likely hard for them to hear in many ways, right? I mean, although they were years away from the ultimate atrocity of actually being murdered and killed for their faith in Christ, they knew all too well how skeptically Nero and the people who were under him viewed them. They were looking like for almost any way that we can punish those Christians. They were. And so that was hard for them to hear this. So today, as we've already noted, we live under a democratic system. Literally, uh, it is supposed to actually, that word democracy, it literally comes from the phrase, by the people. And of course, we've modified that into by the people, for the people. Like that, I think it's just to make us all feel good, right? <laughs> but that's what democracy is supposed to mean. So its premises and goals are potentially more benevolent for sure, we also know it can often seem quite authoritarian as well. It seems to be like, I don't know about you, but again, I've been covering this and following this for most of my adult life because of my previous career, and I've been watching it, and you know, I noticed something. I don't remember any time in my lifetime seeing one particular party, whether it's Republican, Democrat, or Liberal, Conservative in Canada, or any of the others, win 75 to 80% of the vote. Have you? I have never seen it, right? Instead, it's always like, just a little over 50, and, you know, or just under 50. And so what you've got for the next four years is you've got half of the population going, darn, and spending the next four years trying to bring these guys down and turn it around the next time. And I remember proposing this one time a long time ago to some friends. It was a crazy idea. I said, you know what? What do you think might happen if we as, I'll say conservatives or liberals, doesn't matter, and the other party wins, what would happen if everyone in Canada just decided just for four years to all try to make the other team's policies work out good. Yes, you're right. Some people laughed at me <laughs> and shook their heads and went, that'll never happen. And I was like, okay, well, that's a problem, isn't it? It's a problem. It's a significant problem. Yes. So Peter speaks into that, and he exhorts them to live this way. Live as people who now think differently about the world and the current circumstances, but also 
who know, for this is God's will for them. Is God's will perfect? Hello? It is perfect all the time. And as we see in verse 16, it it, it is that by doing good, they will put to silence the ignorant, the criticism of foolish people. So how then should we live? Do good. Should we pray? (laughs) No, there's more. But it's simple. Just do good. Just go about our daily business and in every moment, love God, love our neighbors as ourselves, live lives that reflect the characteristics of the kingdom of God, the traits of people that first might appear anti-culture to the culture, but all of a sudden they might step back and go, hold on. Actually, hold on. Some of them anyway might go, no, that's actually good. That actually might be good. Um, and good for everyone. A few commentators that I read, I, I didn't know this but in, in history, but I, I, it's good that I found it because I want to share it with you. They commented about the churches in Asia Minor at that time, and, and it was about something called benefactions. Have you ever heard of that? It's about bene- like benefactors, but benefactions. And actually what the church in Asia Minor had been doing, uh, going about doing good, is amazing. Uh, one of the things they were doing was supplying grain in, in times of diverse, like of necessity, right? And the way they went about doing it was actually kind of, kind of not breaking the law, but they would div- divert ships that had grain on them to the cities in Asia Minor so the people in Asia Minor would get grain. You know what else they would do? They would tra- take the grain that they had purchased or they had you know, milled from their own property and they would go into the market and sell it below market prices. Why? To help the poor be able to afford the grain. And Christians were doing that. They were also running around it. And it says erecting public buildings or adorning old buildings with marble vestments, refurbishing the local theaters, uh, widening roads, helping in construction of public utilities, going on embassies to gain privilege in the city and helping in the city in times of city upheaval. Quietly behind all of this, all of the persecutions and trials and afflictions, they were doing good. Huh. That's exciting. Many of you will know that pre-COVID, for five years in a row, we sent a team from The Rock and other people from the Sea to Sky region that we invited down to the Baja of Mexico, to Vicente Guerrero, to uh, build um, two-room schools for underprivileged, like poor, poor families and, and schools. And, and, and so, you know, we, we, we don't, we're, not, we're not publicizing this, oh, look at us, whatever, whatever. But, no, we did that. Why did we do that? Well, because it was there. We were called to do it. It's a good thing. It was doing good. Many people who went on those trips with us were not at the time believers, and they saw that, and it was a good thing for them to see that. So listen, for the church then, listen, in that day, here's what's going on. It wasn't about hunkering down in their homes. Got to stay out of trouble. We don't want to get any more trouble than we're already in. And by the way, you stay off of social media. Look what you're doing to us. Okay, they didn't have that, but whatever. Don't go into the marketplace and start arguing about Nero and his ways of life. They didn't do that. No, instead, they just went about doing good. And here's what happened. Occasionally, occasionally, Nero and his minions would start attacking them for whatever. And you know what also happened? Other people would go, hold on, hold on. I remember when they did this for us. I remember when they did that. Friends, that's, that's happened here in Squamish. There have been people... I hate to keep, not keep it to bring this up again, who have attacked our church, who attacked our cafe when it was running, 
and said things about us that were hurtful and, and, and so forth. But you know what? Days and sometimes weeks later, many other people came back and said, hold on. These people in the cafe and the church have done real good things. They've blessed this community. That's how we make certain people look foolish. Just do good. It's by doing good. So Peter goes on and gives us what I feel is the best reason to joyfully listen, submit to ruling authorities in our lives as Christians. Live as people who are free. (laughs) Right? Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So again, friends, just like I, I asked last week, do you realize this is not your home? Okay, secondly, do you, you realize you're completely, 100% today, tomorrow, and every day free? We don't need to go out and fight for our liberties and our freedoms and our rights. We are already completely free. I'll conclude with a couple of points on that, so don't get carried away. Don't throw your yeah butt out just yet. Okay, hold on to that one. But we are free. And again, as we, we asked about what we, as I said last week about our true home, I just want, I just again want, do you really know that? Do you know how free you are? Do you know how, how much Jesus has freed you from all of these things so that we, we don't have to worry about the political strife, get wound up in it, and, 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 and just figure out what we're going to do and what should happen? And Yes, take a deep breath. And so finally, point number three, just be this way. I love the way Peter ends this passage, this section. He just says these words. Okay, here's my conclusion. (laughs) Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Love the church. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Fear God. Have a reverent, reverent faith and fear of God. He will judge these things. And finally, again, can I remind you, honor the emperor Would you? Could you? Yeah. So as people who now think and live this way, basically what Peter is getting at is, just listen, be yourselves. (laughs) Just be yourself. Oh, that would be lovely. It's really simple. So as people who now think and live this way, just be yourselves. Love and honor everyone. There's no partiality in the Christian church, right? We love everyone. Everyone, sign outside says, everyone is welcome. There's level ground at the cross. Everyone is welcome. Okay, let me conclude. I want to give you what I hope will be some helpful thoughts and maybe applications. So once again, I suggest, number one, it's fair to say that we live under today in Canada as our social democracy in Canada um, is a vast improvement of what's gone on before us. I, I love it. When, when people either south of the border or elsewhere criticize our form of government, you know, like that, that health care system of yours or whatever, I, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> I think we're doing pretty good. Our social democracy, for the most part, does a lot of good. However, my experience shows me this. And again, maybe it's more south of the border, but it happens here too. And I'm speaking about the church and about Christians, so hear this. What I've seen, and I think is a danger, is that we have 
put far more, more dependence and reliance on getting a good old boy into the office of president or prime minister who's a Christian who will then impose Christianity on the world and the culture. And that becomes what people give their heart and minds and souls to, quite frankly. And what does that do? Actually, it harms our witness in the world and the culture, and it becomes a false form of evangelism. That's number one. I've said this before. Um, I was encouraged at one time when I was <sighs> consulting a political party to run for that party, and it was going to be a safe seat. I won't mention where it was. I, like In other words, I think, a, I think a golden retriever could run in that riding and win. Okay. as long as you were running for the conservatives. Okay. So I, I, I looked at that, and I thought about it. I honestly did, and I thought, man, if you win two um, uh, terms in a row, uh, you, you qualify for the unbelievable golden handshake uh, you know, uh, pension for the rest of your life. And I'm 42, and I'm going, man, that would be good. Right? My mother and father-in-law were part of um, uh, the riding executive for a Christian man who I love and respect very much in Chilliwack, and so I was being, and I had to pray about it. My mother and father-in-law going, come on, Glenn. Like, you, you can talk, <laughs> as you know. But I prayed about it, and I'm not, I'm not better than just, but I, at 42, heard God say to me, Jesus say to me, my plan A for this world is the church, Glenn, not politics. Now, my buddy Chuck Strahl, who was a member of parliament in Chilliwack, was called to it. And I remember asking him, hey, I don't feel called to it. I, I, I don't feel like, and frankly, I knew myself well enough to know that I might be a little bit too abrasive and uh, didn't want to do it at that time. But I asked him, and he was a very gentle, wonderful man. I said, what, what's the difference for you? He goes, Glenn, I'm a Christian in politics. I just want to be salt and light. I have no aspirations or inklings to believe that we're going to just turn Canada into a Christian nation. Scripture doesn't show me that. But I'm going to be salt and light there. I'm going to do good. And he did a lot of good in the time that he was in politics. But also, secondly, I want to suggest this to you. Sometimes as a result of our over-reliance on that, especially in social democracies, right, we can pass on the work of the church, the doing good of the church, to the government. right? We, we can suggest that the government should be the ones who are doing all the social good in the country, not just doing the roads and education and hospitals, but everything else. And Christians are all for that, it seems, in certain places. Can I just suggest this to you? May I humbly suggest this to you? Are you concerned about people in our world and society who are in need, who are poor, who are being harmed and hurt and oppressed? Then can I encourage you to do this? Go to them. <laughs> Go to Vincente Guerrero. Go to them personally and help them. Provide for their needs. Do that. That's what this early church did. That's what you and I can do. Finally, on the subject, let me answer this question because some of you with your yabots are probably going, hold on. Well, should I even vote? Can Christians be involved in politics? Well, I'm going to ask you to pray about that and think about that in light of what we've heard today. But yes, I think so. But there is a way to do that and a way not to do that, not out of fear, but out of wanting to do good and loving. And so I want to encourage you that the bottom line would be just be a good citizen. Be a good citizen and encourage that. So finally, why all of the above? Why all of this? 
uh, Peter, well, why think, live, and be this way? For the Lord's sake. For Jesus Christ's sake. We are his ambassadors to this world. We are like a movie trailer of the kingdom to come. That's what we're supposed to be. We're to model that. And it's beautiful. It's full of peace. It's full of love. It's full of mercy. We're to model that. It is his desire that all this world would be saved. Amen? He died for everyone, for your sake and for my sake and their sake. Let's be his ambassadors. Let's honor him in that way. Let's do good. Pray with me, would you?